Hello and welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast. I'm your host, Benny Lewis, and today I am interviewing Jeremy Ginsberg. So Jeremy has an interesting story with language learning because he has lived in multiple different countries, Ghana and Israel and Vietnam, and he's traveled a bit outside of those as well. But he actually ran into a bit of a roadblock with his experience in Israel. And I really like that that did not stop him from getting into other languages. And he ended up having huge success with his Vietnamese. And this is, this is why I wanted to share his story with you guys today to show you that even when you reach these roadblocks, that you can work your way around them and have great success with your language learning. He's even been on a Vietnamese game show and he's now married and living in Vietnam. So without further ado, let's dive in and hear Jeremy's story. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 95. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Today, I am talking with Jeremy Ginsberg, who is uh, a Vietnomad. Uh, this is a term that I got from him. Um, and we're going to be talking about his own experiences uh, learning languages over many years. So thanks for coming on the show, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So I'm going to let you kick off to to kind of give your backstory. So how did you get into languages and what was your travel path that got you started in the likes of Israel? And then how did you end up in Vietnam? Well, my first language learning experience was actually in elementary school where I learned Spanish for just one year. I think I was in third grade. And I remember enjoying it. I remember I liked the teacher, but then for whatever reason, the Spanish classes were cut. But I grew up with two parents who love traveling and especially my mother would always go on trips and bring back different trinkets or candies from different cultures. And so in my childhood household, I always had this curiosity and appreciation for just foreign things, foreign currencies, no specific memories stand out, but that's, I would say, the earliest seed I can recall. And then I really enjoyed studying French in high school in a classroom. And it was cool. I could pick my own name. One year, I think I was Jeremy, and then I was Jerome. And then halfway through the year, I was like, no, I want to be Kiriku. And so I just thought it was cool that I had this like personality when I spoke French. And then in, in high school, I went to Israel for two months on a study abroad program. And it never really occurred to me that, oh, I'm in a foreign country, I'm gonna decide to learn this language. It was just natural. I wanted to know what people were saying. I wanted to speak how the locals spoke. I wanted to learn phrases, memorize them, etc. And I also took my Hebrew name, which is Yirmiyahu. And so that was my first more travel immersive experience with language learning. And I was 17. So I wasn't really consciously deciding as if I had much choice. But that that did a lot because as I introduced myself in Hebrew by my Hebrew name, 
I noticed how people were reacting so much differently. Where if I said, oh, my name is Jeremy, I'm from America, my Hebrew is so-so. Instead, in Hebrew, I'd say something, even if it was a bit off and my grammar was missing something, just, oh, me, you're miahu, you know, Hebrew so-so, which actually is kind of how Hebrew translates. So I think my grammar was better than that. So that really kickstarted just this like, yeah, I like traveling. I like learning languages, but I didn't think about it at the time. I was just like living life and being a high schooler. And then in, in university, I continued studying. I actually took a Hebrew course and French. And then I studied abroad in Ghana, West Africa. And same thing. I just got there and it was just common sense. I'm, I'm going to learn the local language. You know, I'm not going to like trip myself out. Oh, it's too hard. I didn't have that many limiting beliefs or I wasn't thinking about it. I'm just like, I'm there. I'm going to speak whatever they're speaking. And then something clicked in me then when I was in Ghana, where I decided like, oh, this can be a lifestyle for me. This is something I want to continue doing for the rest of my life. I fell in love with travel and, and culture and just opened my eyes to the possibility of a life traveling abroad or living abroad and, and not sticking to the conventional nine to five system that I kind of was conditioned to expect. And how did that end up getting you to Vietnam? After Ghana, I graduated. I was so fascinated by culture. I, I got a job, two jobs at a restaurant. One was a East African restaurant and the other was a Southeast Asian restaurant. So I think I was at one point the only white person there. So still immersing myself in different cultures and, and learning, but not actively learning a language. And then I landed what I thought was my dream job in Israel. And I was this 22-year-old, very confident, if not cocky, college kid, ready to take on the world. All my friends had traditional careers lined up that they were dreading. And I had this amazing opportunity out in Israel. And then I had a reality check shortly after where I was in Israel, I was by myself, and I fell into a deep depression. I wasn't able to motivate myself to do things. I didn't have a community. That ended up actually, <laughs> I got fired before the job even started. And I'm mentioning this because I believe at one point I wrote an article for Fluent in Three Months about this. So I hope that's, if that's still up on the internet, then people can read that story there. So after that, I came back to the US, you know, to quote, figure my out. I don't know if swearing's allowed. And that I had a difficult decision to make. Do I, do I follow my, my dreams of this opportunity of traveling and adventure and, and chase this, this joy and excitement that I felt in Ghana? Or do I kind of buckle down and follow the conventional path? And I decided to book a one-way trip to Vietnam. And that's when the, the term <laughs> Vietnomad started to evolve. At that point, I was fixated on creating my own travel blog and having my own travel TV show and, and things like that. And I chose Vietnam because it was interesting. It was a bit exotic. It was a bit underdeveloped. Yet I could also teach English and make money if I needed something consistent. So it had the opportunities that kind of eased my rational mind that felt like, okay, I need a little bit of a cushion so I can make sure this is going to work. But it also had this sense of adventure. And, and in the US, a lot of people are really curious about Vietnam as well because of the war. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, I'll go to Vietnam and learn the language and culture and write about it and, and see where it goes from there. Amazing. So lots, lots to go through there. I, I want to take a little bit of a step back to what you were saying earlier about having potentially a different personality in the different languages. So this is a kind of 
splits off into two, as it were, because the the one side is just purely linguistic, that as you're speaking in language, you have to put yourself and your personality into that. And sometimes you allow other aspects of your personality to emerge. And then the other side of it is because you're a traveler, that you are in a completely different country, that you could essentially reinvent yourself. So how have you found your personality was able to get uh, almost rebooted as you've been in these different countries and speaking these different languages? It's a great question. I think languages have a way of, in a way, waking up certain components of the personality. For example, in, in Ghana, I love drumming, I love music, I love dance. So that's so embedded in the culture that it makes it so much easier to participate in those activities. Where in Vietnam, I don't know if there's a, a clear-cut example. I think in Vietnam, it brings out my, my humor a little bit more because I think the way I see things is, is so different from the local people. And I also think they're easily impressed by a, a foreigner who can speak. And so getting that positive feedback and encourages encouragement from them, often I'm like, oh yeah, I have more jokes. You know, I have more funny things to say or word plays that could potentially make you laugh and could potentially not make any sense at all, but I've thought about it and I'll give it a try. And so I also think personality is, is not a fixed thing. It's constantly evolving as we're growing as individuals and picking up new traits or discovering new traits or letting go of old ones that may have been given to us more by society and conditioning and, and family. And so it's something that I, I don't really know the exact answer to, but I find it's beautiful how different languages include the culture. And then when that comes in, it brings out, I wouldn't say a different, yeah, it's just a different aspect of the personality. Yeah. And something that you were just saying is that like you, you had this reaction from the Vietnamese that they were so surprised to hear you speak. And uh, because Vietnamese is an Asian language, it's, it's among those that may be perceived as potentially too difficult for a Westerner to learn. So how was your experience learning the language? Would you rate it as having been difficult? And uh, how did you find the locals were encouraging you and how that helped you to progress? Honestly, learning Vietnamese was easier than learning Chui when I was in Ghana. And I had what in Buddhism is called beginner's mind, where I hadn't psyched myself out. I knew what a tonal language was, but I hadn't put enough thought into it to be scared. I was just like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. Perhaps naive, but because I showed up with that, I didn't have anything to compare it to. And because it was so much more fun for me than learning inside of a classroom, which was my experience up until then with some French and Hebrew and, and Spanish earlier on, I didn't let that belief really sink in. Like I was just so determined to do it. And my style at the time was to learn mostly from the locals. And it worked like a charm in Ghana because they're really excited to help and support. And so then I kind of developed this hack, if you will, where I, I carried around a small notepad. It fit in the, the front pocket of my t-shirt. And anytime I went out and I had a spare moment, I would be studying. Or if I saw something, I would write it down. So that would instantly catch the attention from the locals. But the language that I learned in Ghana wasn't commonly known in written form. In fact, most people had no idea. If I asked them, how do you spell something? They'd just say, I don't know. Or I'd get five different things from different people. But in Vietnam, 
I'm pretty sure it has one of the highest literacy rates in the world. So that was all I needed to be like, ah, oh, this is going to be easier. And then once I started to bring that to the streets, I remember it was like my third day in Vietnam and I was speaking to a taxi driver, just basic, hello, how are you? Where are you going? Et cetera. They don't say, how are you in Vietnam, but the equivalent. And I remember he said, how long have you been in Vietnam? And I knew what he was asking, but I wasn't sure how to say like the difference between days, years, and months, et cetera. So I just said three. And after I, I was going to say three days, but he was sure I'd been in Vietnam for three years. And so that was something I realized like, oh, wow, <laughs> most foreigners don't really give it a shot. You know, if, if he thinks I've been here for three years and I only know like 10 words. So that was even more encouraging to be like, oh, like they're excited and I seem to be above average and excelling at this. And then the better, the more confidence that grew, the more I would do it. And then the more encouragement I would get, and then it just creates a positive feedback loop. So you've got these positive experiences, uh, both in Ghana and Vietnam, that have completely enriched your time in those countries. But I think you definitely would have learned something from your experience in Israel and potentially not having as much success with Hebrew. So how, how do you think that shaped your overall experience with language learning that Initially, you hit that brick wall with your experience in Israel. And what made it so that you didn't just completely give up and decide, you know what, this whole language learning and living in other countries thing is not for me. What, what helped you to push through all of that potential feeling of I'm a failure? I'd say the joy and connection that I can get spontaneously in a beautiful interaction with another person, with any language. It happens in English, but... You know, I'm thinking about I was in Brazil, I was facing a deep depression at that time, and I was more isolated and didn't have the motivation to, to learn and connect and no community. But then there'd be just one night, I would just have a moment where I'd, I'd be singing some song and I would just land the Portuguese phrase. And then I'd just be like, wow, this is awesome. Like here I am just in a foreign country, like kind of semi like freestyling some song in Portuguese that seems to like make sense and it's fun. And so I'll just bring it back to joy and connection. And like, yeah, I feel like my heart, just like that place in the heart where it's just like, ah, yeah, <laughs> this is great. I don't even know if words can, can do it justice. Well, something you, you wrote about on my blog when you were guest posting is how you incorporate this mentality of failing fast and failing often as a part of your learning philosophy. So I'm curious what you mean by that. My approach now is probably different from when I wrote that post, but I, I think what I meant is more to keep moving forward, to not let the mind get in the way so much, not to overthink things, rather just take action and use the feedback loop that you get as an opportunity to learn and carry that with you and continue. Um, yeah, again, I... I I think this is hard for me to teach because I remember going to your site and you had this thing speak in a week. And that seems so foreign to me. The fact that it would take people a week to speak their target language, where for me, I would do it in a matter of seconds. I would just guess a word. You know, it's like a kid. They're like, I know French. It's a word. You know, like I kind of had this playful, curious, ambitious, naive mentality. So, but I do think it's, it's important that one, recognize how they function and 
knowing who you are and your personality and what you like and what you don't like and what scares you and your edge, I find is very important for learning anything and just living a fulfilling, balanced life. So I say that with a caveat because some people may have a different relationship to failure and I would encourage them to listen to themselves and go at the pace that feels right. So it's not too much, too fast, too scary, too fast, because I think that can have its own repercussion that could end up being a bit not beneficial for the overall path of a language learner. Now, among the things that uh, I've seen you share, one of them is that you are on a Vietnamese uh, reality show. So I, I want to hear about that. Tell me how that happened. So picking up on, on the story that I left off previously. So I go to Israel, I get fired, I go back home. I'm like, let's get back on the horse and see what happens. So I go to Vietnam and I'm a little embarrassed to share this, but literally if you would have asked me at the time, what is your language learning goals? I would have not even blinked and I would have said, I want to get famous. Like I just had this idea that, hey, if I got famous in the US, it would be annoying. But if I got famous in a foreign country, that'd be awesome. And then anytime I got sick of it, I could just go home and nobody would know me. <laughs> like for some reason that like solved all the problems in the world for me. It was just like where I wanted to go. So I landed with that mentality and it was actually fairly easy if I'm honest. I think the combination of saying yes to like any opportunity to the fact that I was young and open and creative. I was doing a lot of music and different artistic things and just kind of experimenting, like you said, going to a new place and discovering who I am without the structure of a American university system or my parents living nearby and the community that I grew up in and just kind of throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. So how did it even happen? <laughs> this is like... <laughs> I think I was just open about it and I was just like not shy and I ended up getting a gig playing music and then I would incorporate Vietnamese and I would write some jokes or write some songs. And then out of the blue, I got somebody tagged me in a Facebook post because there's often in, in Vietnam, especially the big cities, or at least then there's these people looking for different jobs for a foreigner for a modeling thing, or we need someone to translate this. And this was like, we're looking for a foreigner to go on a, a reality TV show for more information, you know, contact this person. And, and somebody tagged me and I was like, oh, <laughs> that looks like exactly what I'm, I'm looking for. And so next thing you know, I'm in the, the office and I'm having this interview and it's me and this other person. And again, I can't say I'm, I'm proud of this moment, but I was sure that getting famous was, was where I wanted to go. But it was between me and this other person. And I walked in with the idea of like, oh, I got to sell them. Like, I really want this. This is going to be great. This is what I need to get me up to be a celebrity. And I was, my Vietnamese was better than this person's because I still had this competitor's mindset. You know, I want to be better than everyone and I want to get the gig. But then after about 10 minutes or so, they explained the TV show and told him that it was a love reality TV show and that it involved dating. And then he kind of was just looking for a reason to leave. And I could tell he's like, oh, well, I have a, a girlfriend, so this isn't for me. And then he just like left. So it's me. Already in my mind, I'm thinking, there's no way they have a, a list of, of 20 people willing for this and who have the Vietnamese skill to actually participate. So I knew that I had a unique position here. But then they looked at me and they said, oh, do you have a girlfriend too? And I said, no, but I did have a girlfriend. 
<laughs> so this is where I, I left my inner integrity in order to pursue that, that dream of being famous. But basically, that's the story of how it, I ended up on the show. Once I said, I don't have a girlfriend, the rest of that meeting was them trying to sell me on why I should go on the show, how it's going to help me get famous, why everyone's going to love me, et cetera. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, very interesting. By being open to these opportunities, uh, you know, like you said, it's it's not the kind of thing you're into right now. But by being open to these opportunities, it just enriches your life with these brand new experiences. And I know that at least nowadays as well, you do have varied things that you allow into your life that I'm curious how these impact your philosophy in language learning. Like you, you said, you uh, have a background in music. You also like to do yoga and you, uh, you've written about taking ice baths. So like, how do these aspects of your life in experimenting with different things and how do the philosophies in these things that you've been picking up influence your opinions on language learning? I would say the ones that you mentioned help me open up and help me discover who I am and let go of limiting beliefs that no longer serve me. And once that's done, everything else, I wouldn't say it becomes easier, but it becomes more aligned in a way that it may be difficult, but it's like, ah, oh, yeah, that, that resonates. That's for me. And then another thing is the communities that gather around those things. I'm able to kind of squeeze in a little bit of language learning or yeah, language learning, I would say within that. So that helps that I live abroad, but it's, it's not as much me going and actively learning a language, but just whoever's in my, my field and community, it's nice to pick up a, a few phrases here or there. But I would say it's more of just personal development kind of trickles into all areas in one's life, at least in my experience. So the ice baths you mentioned is from Wim Hof, the Iceman. He's the first person who, who I learned that from. And I know that he speaks at least 10 languages. So already there felt like a connection and it wasn't like, oh, he does this and this. And if I take ice baths, maybe I'll get better at language learning. But it also was inspiring to me in a way that the leader of this movement also spoke these 10 languages or 11 or whatever. And maybe there's something to it, you know, like that, that definitely didn't hurt. It helped me kind of decide who I want to learn from. Um, of if he has those qualities, there's definitely others. And so, yeah, just the people I, I look up to, I definitely have a, a connection or respect people who learn languages. I would say music is by far the most connected because I see both as, as, as an art, but also a science. And the way to learn an instrument has so much in common with how to learn a language. And often it involves other people and there's practice and other things like that. So I would say the music definitely correlates mostly to language learning of cultivating patience while you figure out, you know, your hands and catch up to where your brain wants it to. And then it also opens up so many avenues once I can sing in different languages as well. And yeah, again, to me, that's just like where my heart wants to go. I just want to sing in any song that sounds cool. I don't really, I'm interested in the culture and the language, but it doesn't bother me. I'm not intimidated. I want to learn the sounds. I want to know what it means and just sing that. And I think that's, that's something that I've just kind of discovered over time, but it, it wasn't, again, it was just kind of a natural thing for me. 
in terms of the future, do you, or where do you see your future with language learning? Like, do you have any ambitious goals with your Vietnamese now that it's at a higher level? Or do you potentially plan to travel again like you were doing before and learn other languages? Where do you see your, your next uh, language learning journey continuing? Well, I got to say, being invited onto this podcast totally helped me rediscover a portion of, of my garden. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're language learning seeds. Like I haven't watered them in a while. And so it's been this slow progression into me getting back in the game, if you will, which I'm super excited about. Um, and I actually started with a teacher today. The first time I've ever had like a one-on-one teacher in Vietnamese. I've just been casual and, and my wife's Vietnamese. So she teaches me a lot, but not quite from a book and stuff like that. So, so now I'm, I'm ready to take it to the next level and commit to it. But it's not from a place from, ah, I want to get famous or I want my Vietnamese to be better than other people or I, wanna, I want attention. It's really, I want to have more fun. And I, I like who I become when I'm learning a language. And I feel more joyful and I connect with people more. So already I'm reaping the benefits. And I literally just had a sample lesson today. I haven't really actually, quote, started. But that's kind of more of an intention, I guess. The goal is to be able to listen to native speakers and, and be able to participate. I want to talk to the nine-year-old who lives down the street, who speaks in, his, in the central accent. I want to be able to communicate with as many people as possible in, in the entire country. And, and I'm sure there'll be some humor and maybe I'll make some videos or you know, stuff may happen within that. But ultimately, it's, it's more of a commitment to myself of I know this is healthy for me and also to my, my wife. And that's something that's actually brand new for me because having the commitment with her, that bleeds into the commitment to learning Vietnamese where I'm like, oh, this is going to be useful for the rest of my life. And so that gives me a, a new perspective of like, oh, I can relax. I can take a month off. I, can, I took two years off. I wasn't actively learning. And now coming back, it's like, this is going to be useful. And, and she loves it. And then she helps me learn. And that gives me, gives me more positivity. And it'd be nice to be able to, to connect with her parents more. But I'm also just trying to keep low expectations on that because they live a very different lifestyle as it is. But that's also another benefit just to be able to participate and understand her world more through the lens of Vietnamese and not just my perspective on, on what I see her doing. Excellent. And um, what is there's a question that we always ask our guests on the podcast. Uh, what would your definition of language hacking be? I don't want to overthink this. The first thing that came up is just knowing, knowing yourself, know thyself, just understanding what works for you, what you like, what you don't like. And then the second one, which is a little more of a tangent, is just quieting the mind. You know, it's related, but learning what's the mind and the ego kind of just saying things to scare you and, and distract you. But really, I think the best thing is just understanding yourself and, and having fun. So I think that's three. <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay, well, this has been an interesting interview. I look forward to, to sharing it with people. And uh, I'll make sure people can find you through the show notes. So we'll have links to, the, to your stuff. And uh, otherwise, thanks once again for joining me, Jeremy. And I'll wish you a very happy language learning as you're um, getting into this new chapter with your Vietnamese. Thank you. Come on. 
So at the end of these uh, interviews, I like to give my takeaways and if I have a co-host, their takeaways as well for how the biggest nuggets that we would have gotten out of this episode. And for me personally, that would have been what Jeremy said about the beginner's mind, which is uh, apparently a concept in Buddhism. And I love his attitude to be a beginner. He said that he likes to be playfully ambitious and he likes to have a naive mentality. He even thought when he saw my speak in a week email course that you get when you sign up on my site, he thought, speak in a week, why would I need that? I can speak right now. I can make sounds and hope for the best. And I think that attitude, when you have that as a beginner, it really allows you to absolutely explode your progress. And I love that he's had that mindset with his languages and it's enriched his life so much. So I would highly recommend that you take this beginner's mind in Buddhism and like think of how can I implement that into my own language learning philosophy that it's okay to be a beginner. It's okay to accept that uh, I have all these things to learn and that's great rather than kicking yourself and thinking I'm so dumb because I don't know these things. I really hope that you guys got a bit of inspiration from how Jeremy mentioned that and you can apply that into your language learning philosophy. So if you've been enjoying these podcasts, do make sure to let me know and send me a message on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Irish Polyglot on both of those. And I would love to hear your thoughts and your suggestions for who you think we should have on in future episodes or questions that I can take on in my standalone Ask Benny episodes. But of course, if you want to hear more about Jeremy, we'll have links in the show notes and you can find out more about him. And until the next time, I'll wish everybody a very happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Katie Pascoe, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and happy language learning.